Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, this isn't particularly a Christmas sermon, but then again, every sermon about Jesus is a Christmas sermon. Amen. Jesus became a man. Uh, the, God, the God of the universe became man and died for our sins. As we're looking at the text today, um, we're going to be thinking about the justice of God and how He, he will judge. Uh, and the text tells us something. It says that God will judge each one according to His works. And, and it leaves us with a kind of a tension, doesn't it? Because this text here says, you know, God will judge each one according to His works. And, and yet... We, we know that the Gospel says that we can never be saved by our works. That we, we can never have enough good works to be saved, but only that Jesus died so that His works could be counted to us. Right? That the Gospel is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, not our works. So how do these things fit together? And I hope that as we look at this text, that that will become more clear. Now, how does this fit with Christmas? We needed Christmas because of this text. We needed God to become man so that He could save us because we all fall short according to our works. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does not who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is a double-edged sword able to divide between the bone and the marrow. And Lord, we need your word that is so sharp to come and do surgery on our hearts. Cut away the sin that remains and make us more like Jesus. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Lord, give me strength and grace uh, 
as I preach your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in a way, this text is about a gift. (laughs) In a way, because it says in verse 6, He will render to each one according to his works. So he's got to give something, all right. He's going to give something. God will give something. Um, and, and to understand a little bit, we need to come go backwards a little bit into last week's text. Remember, um, in chapter 2, he turns from talking about the Gentile world and how they, uh, they, they uh, suppress the truth in unrighteousness uh, that that, uh, that that the wrath of God is is revealed through um, death and through sickness and through the moral degradation of humanity, and we see the the decline in the morals of humanity when we talk about uh, man leaving behind the worship of the one true Creator and and worshiping the creature instead of the Creator. We've seen how how that leads to. Uh, an exchange where no longer, just as it mirrors how man leaves behind the worship of the true creator and and worships um, uh, the creature instead, in the same way man uh, and woman leaves behind the natural function whenever it comes to sexuality and seeks after the sameness instead of the differentness as the part of God's good creation. But then also, he then ends that uh, passage that we had looked looked at a couple of weeks ago and and talks about how it's not just in homosexuality, but it's also in many other things. It's in covetousness. And we look at covetousness and we think, well, that isn't all that bad, is it? Or or we think of other things that, uh, that... And then we looked last week at how Paul then turns his attention from the Gentile world to the Jewish moralist and says, I'm looking at you. Because the same things that you're judging in other people, you do yourselves. And and as we ended last week, he, he was telling this Jewish audience that the ones who are unbelieving and, and have not accepted Christ as the Messiah, he points at them and says, in your disobedience, you are storing up wrath on the day of God's righteous judgment. And we ended there last week with the phrase, on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. We have to, we have to kind of point that out because the text here in, in the original language, we, we see he will render to each one according to his works. But in the, uh, in the Greek, it's actually, um, it's connected to the sentence that comes before it. We, it's all one sentence. Uh, it's got a, it's got a, a relative pronoun who there who will render to each one according to his works and, and so um, it's God's righteous judgment and it's God who will render to each one according to his works this day of wrath that Paul talked about in our passage last week this day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That day of wrath, it's God who will render 
to each one according to his works. They fit together there. God's judgment is righteous, we saw last week. And it's going to be revealed. It's talking about an end time day of judgment when everyone will be gathered there before the throne and God will judge us. He'll separate the sheep from the goats. The righteous will go on one side, will go into eternal life and the unrighteous will go away forever into hell. This day of judgment. This is a great sermon for a Sunday, for a Christmas Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> it's not typical of what we think, but I'm just going through the past, through the book. And um, this shows us we needed Christmas. Because apart from Christmas, apart from Jesus coming, we would all be headed for hell. He will render to each one according to his works. And then he gives an explanation here. What will he render? What is the thing that they will get? What will they be repaid? Uh, Those are spelled out in verses 7 through 10. And and he he gives us a kind of a... Scholars call this a chiasm, where he... he, uh, he kind of he's, it's an A B B A yeah A B B A pattern, uh, you know what I mean? Maybe if you've ever studied any poetry or anything like that, he starts with one thing that matches with the last thing, and then the second thing matches with the other thing. So it's maybe maybe you could call it sandwiched. But he starts with what's positive, what's the, what's going to be the case for the good. And then he gives one thing that goes for the case of those who are bad, and then another thing for those who are bad, and then another thing for those who are good. See the structure there? In verse 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Now the he will give there isn't in the original text. The he will give there is going off of the he will repay in verse 6. So the thing he will repay is eternal life. The thing that he will repay is eternal life. And who gets eternal life according to this text? Well, the the ones who receive eternal life are those who seek. To, to pay attention to the grammar here, those who seek for glory and honor and immortality, structurally, this is, this is what the grammar is telling us, the ones who seek for glory and honor and immortality will receive eternal life. But then it tells us how they, re- they seek for glory and honor and immortality. The way that they receive, uh, they, they seek for glory and honor and immortality is by patience in well-doing. By patience in well-doing. Um, so, the one who receives eternal life here in this text is the one who seeks after God who seeks glory, and I don't think that's his own glory. 
If we seek after our own glory, that's selfish ambition, which we see later in the text. What we seek after is the glory of God. We seek after the glory of God. We seek after honor. What, What do we seek after honor? We seek that one day God will honor us whenever we say, whenever he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're seeking after. We want to seek after God. We want to seek after His glory. We want to seek after one day he will, we will stand before Him and He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the last one, He says, those who seek after um, immortality will receive eternal life. Reminds us of what Jesus said. The one who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open to him. So the way here to receive eternal life is to seek God. To, look, to, to seek after Him. To seek His glory. To seek that the one day we'll stand before Him and He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And to seek after eternal life. And, and how do we do that? The text here tells us in verse 7, by patience in well-doing. This is troublesome a little bit. This is a little bit troublesome because we know that we are not saved by our works. Our works are not the basis of our salvation. But it is the proof of it. If we have been saved, He changes us from the inside out and we will do good works. We will seek after Him. We will seek His glory. All of those things. We can't get the cart before the horse. By patience in well-doing. This this world is hard. This world is hard and and we can try to to seek after God and do His will. Be generous to do all kinds of good deeds. But you know what? This world will crush us if we do it in our own strength. And we need the patience that only God can give us. We're under pressure. We seek after the glory of God. We seek after uh, His saying to us, well done, good, good and faithful service servant. And we seek after eternal life by living for Him. Doing Good works, helping others, loving the brethren. Now that's what 1 John tells us. One of the signs that we're truly believers is we love one another. And it's hard. We can get weary. And as the author of Hebrews says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Actually, I think that's uh, Galatians. It's not grow weary in doing good for due season. We will reap a harvest of blessings if we do not lose heart. Next part here, verse 8. But 
for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And again, just like verse 7, there will be is not in the text. It is a, it is a, uh, uh, it's spelling it out for us because we don't read Greek. But the verb there that it's connected to is the first one. He will render. And what will he render? Well, to those who seek after good, he'll render, he'll give eternal life. What will he render for the others? He will render wrath and fury. He will render wrath and anger. The furious wrath of God. The burning anger of God. It's not what anybody... It's not a pleasant idea. It's not something... We don't have a whole lot of joyous songs that we sing about God's wrath, do we? Joy to the world! The wrath of God! No, we don't sing that. But it's a reality. That the Bible speaks of His wrath will be on those. And it tells us here in verse 8, those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. This is put in contrast to the one who seeks after God's glory, who seeks honor from Him, who seek after eternal life. In contrast, it's those who um, are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. And as I look at the grammar here in this uh, verse, the main things there are they do not obey the truth and they obey unrighteousness. And it says out of self-seeking. So I think that's it, this, this not obeying the truth and this obeying unrighteousness, it flows from self-seeking. The one who wants God seeks after God. Seeks after God's glory. What does the other one seek? Selfish ambition. He seeks after himself. He wants to satisfy his own needs, his own gratifications. He doesn't want anybody else. He's just selfish. And what does the one who is selfish do? They do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. I think we need to be reminded here of verse 18 in chapter 1. Verse 18 in chapter 1 tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness, who, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The unbelieving world suppresses the truth. The truth that can be known through creation. God reveals to us through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And because of selfishness, because we want to do it our way, because we don't want anyone to tell us what to do, instead, the unbelieving person 
They disobey the truth. And I think that's equivalent here to suppressing the truth. How can they disobey the truth? Because they suppress it. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And they obey unrighteousness. In fact, truth and unrighteousness are both together in this passage as well as in verse 18 of chapter 1. So we have two things that will be rendered, two alternatives. One, eternal life to those who seek after God's glory, seek after His honor, and seek after eternal life, immortality. And then wrath and fury to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth. What truth? The truth of God and the truth that is revealed in Scripture of the Gospel. They reject the Gospel. They reject that truth. The truth that is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 9. He again talks about the unrighteous. There will be tribulation and distress. That's the other thing that is rendered. There's no, ver- there's no verb here where it says there will be. It's just going back to the rendering in verse 6. He will render tribulation and distress. Now, this is a little bit interesting. This is the only time in the New Testament where the word tribulation is is referring to something that unbelievers will get. (laughs) In the world, you will have trouble. And I'll bring you my peace. This world will hate us. Believers are promised tribulation in this life. But on the day of judgment, it's different. On the day of judgment, believers will receive eternal life. And on the day of judgment, we won't have the tribulation and distress. The unbelievers will have tribulation and distress. It's not going to be fun. It will be distressing. It will be tribulation. Tribulation and distress... For every human being who does not, who does evil, to the Jew first and, and also the Greek. So, the one who, we have two roads here. He's rendering to each one according to their works. To the one who does good, he is eternal life. To the one who does evil, here, And by doing evil, he's disobeying the truth, not believing the gospel, rejecting the truth that God reveals in creation. To the one who is self-seeking, they receive they they receive God's wrath, his anger, and tribulation and distress. But it ends here with to the Jew first and to the Greek. We've heard this before. 
to the Jew first and to the Greek. And that was back in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So salvation comes to both Jews and Gentiles, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation comes to both, and so does judgment to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then we move on to verse 10. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. Again, I think back, Jesus said, the one who asks receives, the one who seeks knocks, the one who, uh, no, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to him. What was the one, the good looking for? He was looking for glory and honor and immortality. Well, in verse 7, we already saw he gets eternal life. So that takes care of the eternal, um, eternal life, the, uh, the immortality. And what does he get in verse 10? The one who does good receives glory and honor. Those things that were mentioned before. So we get eternal life. We receive glory in the fact that we, 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 uh, we to experience the glory of God, it's just... To stand before Him. To worship Him. To be overwhelmed by the presence of His glory. We get that. We get His glory and honor. He will say to us one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And then He adds one more thing. Peace. Those who do good. Those who believe the truth. Not those who don't believe the truth. Those who believe the truth. Who believe in Jesus. Who believe that He died for us. And we submit ourselves to Him. And we trust in Him. To those, we will receive peace. Peace is so significant here. We are reconciled with God. Before we come to know Him, we were like the others. We were, by nature, children of wrath. We were under the curse. We were... God's enemies until He came and saved us. When He came and saved us, we have peace with God. No longer His enemies, but we are reconciled with Him. And then it says to the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Chapter 2 here, again, Paul was turning from chapter 1 where he's listing out the sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Gentiles, and Paul's uh, 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 arguing partner in this uh, argument that he's making was saying, Amen, Paul, Amen, keep it going, until he turns on him. 
You do the same things. Right? What Paul here is doing is saying ethnicity, Jew and Gentile, doesn't make any difference before God. Whenever it says here, God shows no partiality, what he's saying is he's not giving special treatment to the Jews just because they're Jews. Nor does he give special treatment to Gentiles just because they're Gentiles. He doesn't give special treatment to people who are white. He doesn't give special treatment to people who are rich. He doesn't give special treatment to people who are poor. He does not give special treatment to anyone based on any category. The only thing that makes a difference is... Do we believe the truth? Do we seek after God? Have we trusted in Him? The evidence, again, I want want to step back one more time. Our salvation is not based on works. We don't do anything to earn it. Paul says later, the wages of sin is death, which goes right along with this text. What We are repaid for what we've done. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our salvation is not based on works. But if we are saved, there will be works. He will change us. He will make us into a new creature. He has. If we believe, He's already done it. He's made us a new creature. And we serve the poor. And we Love one another. And we want to reach our community for Jesus. We do all these things because He has made that internal change in our lives. Let's wrap it up this way. This is Christmas and we're thinking about gifts. One of these days we're all going to receive a gift. He is going to repay each one according to what He has done. To the unbelieving world, it's not going to be a gift they want. But believer, believer sitting here in this room, the ones who are looking to Jesus, who seek after His glory, who want to hear from Him on that final day, well done, good and faithful servant, to you, you will receive eternal life with Him. You'll get what you've been seeking after. You will get the glory of God to experience the glory of God, the joy that you've never been able to experience in this life that will never run out. You will get Him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And you get peace. Peace with God. Thank you for 
listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.